Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today, we are joined by Dr. Jerry Herrera. Jerry is Vice President of Med Associates, a company known for their solutions in biomedical instrumentation for in vivo preclinical animal studies aimed at studying human health and treating human disease. He's here to discuss the automated analysis of behavioral data in fear conditioning research. Let's jump in. All right, first one is, do you need to have a certain set of parameters for each type of experiment you are doing or put a different way, you know, how often should one validate the settings of an automated free scoring system? Yeah, that's a really good question. Ideally, you should not have to have uh, a different set of parameters across multiple experimental types. And validation should be done certainly at the beginning of a project. But once that once you've established settings for the system, you shouldn't have to change them. Now, I would make an exception to that if you're changing from looking at rats to mice, for example, or you're starting out with mice and then you move to rats, you would definitely need to address your validation because you might have different parameters for rats versus mice. But you shouldn't have, if in example, for example, in fear conditioning where you have a training context and maybe two or three different test contexts, you shouldn't need to have different settings for the different training contexts. You should have one set of settings that apply to, to all your experimental contexts. And I, again, that that approach could vary based on the automated system that's being used. But that's in a, a robust automated system would be able to score the data accurately and reliably regardless of slight changes in, in, in parameters. Perfect. Okay. Another question, how many human scores do like should someone plan to use to validate an automated behavioral data analysis? Is there a kind of a rule of thumb or a best practice here, you know, the number of human scores that would be involved in a validation study? Yeah, it's a, another good question. I would say at least you'd want to have minimally two different human scores going in. And you'd also want to make sure that those scores that are used for establishing what you'd call ground truth in signal processing, your your reference signal, you'd want to make sure that there's good correlation amongst your human observers. So if you have two people scoring behavior, you'd want to make sure there's good in cross-correlation between their scores before you average those scores to, to use in your validation. And if you're using more than two, you, again, you'd want to make sure there's good cross-correlation amongst all your scores before they're used in, in, in establishing ground truth. Okay, great. That's a good answer. Something specific to video freeze, a question has come up about the ability to reanalyze a video. And I think what we're trying to get at here is you, when we go back to our polling where we adjusted data, is what uh, capabilities does a user have to do that type of thing? And what are you really adjusting? So are you reanalyzing a video or what's happening there? With the video free system, you can reanalyze data at will. The video itself in real time is being analyzed. Raw video from the camera is being analyzed in real time and a motion index is generated in real time. Now, when the video is saved to disk, it gets compressed. When you're reanalyzing data, you're actually not reanalyzing the video. What you're reanalyzing is the motion index, and you can apply different parameters. You can apply different thresholds and different freeze durations to that motion index to determine which parameters best fit the data. So yeah, you can reanalyze the motion index data as many times as you want offline, and that really does help establish parameters that best fit to your human scores. Perfect, okay. And then what about the analysis settings? Can you change that? 
Yes, you can change the analysis settings at will. Once you've established your settings, you'd want to leave them constant. But yeah, so in, in the validation phase, you can change the settings as much as you need to. Okay, perfect. So here's a good question. Do you have any perspective on protocols where the desire to measure freezing is also combined with other animal behaviors, like grooming and rearing and subtle movements? So I guess one way to put this is, are there free systems capable of combining these measurements and you know, analyzing maybe from a motion index or addition, additional datas that are coming in from a system so that you can do multiple collections simultaneously. Is that even possible? Are people doing that? Yeah, there are some systems out there that are, are doing more um, complex behavioral recognition. The one uh, really important thing to remember, though, is validation. So if a system is designed for measuring grooming, for example, or some type of stereotypic behavior, maybe paw licking or rotational stereotypies, mm-hmm. um, there's many claims made that systems will do this and automatically score these behaviors. However, if you look at validation, it's kind of all over. So some some are like claiming 80% accuracy and or 90%. But really, the goal is to get right on with human scores. So just be. I would just point out the need is still if there's a claim made that a system is doing some behavioral recognition, that you really would want to pay heed to how the validation was done to reference what the automated system is scoring versus what's actually happening. Okay, perfect. Great answer. We've got another one here. Mackenzie asks, how many pairings of CS and US would be sufficient for the training day? So how long in duration would the context test day be compared to the original testing day? Is the, Again, is there a best practice or a rule that, that needs to be applied here? Well, I think uh, a, a real kind of typical training session would have at least three presentations of the conditioned stimulus and the unconditioned stimulus, three tone shock pairings. And usually they're separated by 60 to 90 seconds. Uh, I would say three to five or six are very common, but you really probably want to have at least three. But even a single trial elicits learning. You know, I think there's no, you couldn't just say, here's how many you should do, because that depends on the type of you know, the experimental goals. But for basic fear conditioning, you know, three is a good number to have for tone shock pairings. Okay, perfect. All right, perhaps this will be our final question here. Jennifer asks, currently she's using two independent systems. She explains that day one training, day two is context in the same system as training, and then day three, a tone test in that second system with inserts. The question though, is it necessary to change to a new system in a different room for day three to really ensure that no context such as smell or the environment is accounted for during the t- tone test. You know, I guess paraphrase is like how critical do people need to be about removing association with anything yeah. during the test phase? That's a great question. And you'll find, I think you'll have different philosophies on that from different labs and certainly in the fear conditioning field. I can say the thing you would really want to look at is your baseline freezing score. So make sure that your protocol has a baseline period in it that allows you to observe their baseline behavior in that context. So what that's going to let you do is see if there's carryover, what's usually called carryover. So if you're moving from one context to another, you'd want to look for very low freezing in the very low carryover, very low freezing in that new context. If you see high freezing, maybe 15, 20% freezing, that might tell you that there's some cues coming through to the animal that you're not able to address and, and you would need to take more care changing context if, if your goal is to really 
wipe out carryover. Some labs will say, yeah, you need to do it in a different room and use, you know, separate doors, you know, it's very isolated. Other labs are able to get successful conditioning with low carryover using the same set of cubicles for training and testing just by altering context and also paying attention to maybe you have the lights in the lab off when you do testing, mm-hmm. but they were on during training. You had the the cart that the animals were on covered when you brought them in for testing but not training or things like that are, real, are important things to consider that are outside the realm of the behavioral tests, but things that need to be considered at any rate. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.